The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason, and our mystery guest today on the podcast, which you'll hear about shortly. But we're back for another episode continuing on the topic of eldership that we started last time with interviewing a new elder uh, candidate in our local church. And so we're going to talk about elders today. Uh, and continue that conversation. Uh, but before we get to our topic of the day, I have a question for all of us. And we should probably introduce our mystery guests, shouldn't we? Yeah, uh, probably a good Jason. idea. Yep. So our mystery it. guest is Dr. Big Al Shervetian. It's Mr. Welcome. Dr. Big Al, actually, but I my apologies. Yes, thank you. Well, welcome, <laughs> welcome back to another episode. Joining with us, we're we're glad to have you with us and joining the conversation. Uh, but you are a doctor; you uh, have your PhD in math, so we want to show honor where honor is due. That's why when we see each other, it's doctor, right? Doctor, doctor. So, <laughs> so on this episode, three doctors are going to try to tackle a topic on eldership. We'll see, uh-huh. you know, what we are talking about. But before that, we're going on rabbit trails right now. Okay, my question for the day, um, and I think I've asked this question before, but I like asking it because I'm a, a nerd. You'll know why. Um, mm. So my question for all of us, and Alex, you don't have to. No, you you have to answer it too. Okay, <laughs> what's the last? book you finished reading what was the last book you read and it can't be a book in the bible there's 66 books i'm not talking about the bible outside of scripture what was the last book that you finished reading the last that i finished reading oh man okay hold on it's right here oh i i think i remember what it's called i think it was called the reformed baptist manifesto uh and that was by um Richard Barcellus and hold on. This is where we pause and tell a joke. Alex. Okay, hold on. Anything? Okay, oh, he's okay, back. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, Sam Sam Waldron. I had forgotten his name. Sam Waldron, and uh, uh, it was a short read. This one was a short one, a quick short read. Um, it's called the Reformed Baptist Manifesto: The New Covenant Constitution of the Church. And it's uh, uh, one of many that I've picked up trying to read and understand a little bit more about Baptist ecclesiology and uh, kind of thinking through those kinds of issues and how uh, there's some p- particulars of uh, Baptist covenant theology versus mm-hmm. some of the more Presbyterian uh, covenant theology. So, yeah, that was uh, the last one that I finished reading, I believe. Yeah. Alex? Yeah. Yeah, this is a something tough about one. the pa- something about pi, Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, Actually, no. It was, the, it was that it was that master's thesis of the hundred different proofs of the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> oh, there it is. Um, I don't know if it's the last book that I've finished, but it's definitely one that I finished recently. Um, 
it was what was it called it was uh truth truth you can touch truth we can touch oh yeah good book by tim chester 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 yeah yeah hmm. but that about another, the sacraments and yeah another good reformed baptist christian yeah well, very good um so my last book i finished reading probably not a surprise on the topic or theme of the books i'm reading sanctification uh, one, oh yeah a part of sanctification uh the heart of anger and this Ooh. book is written by christopher ash and steve mid mid midgley um huh. I think they're uh, somewhere uh, overseas, UK. I think it was one of them was from. Ash? Um, yeah, he's written commentaries. I think right. And there was a marriage book he wrote recently too. Okay. I believe. Yes. Um, so I had picked this book up, and I have read like three or four books on anger over the past few years, and mm-hmm. I thought I don't need another book, but I'll just put it on the shelf. And I was pleasantly surprised how much i learned from their perspectives nice. it was really yeah really good um and then there's like six other books i have open at the same time and eventually that's, one of them will get done right that's the problem that's why i i hate the way you asked that question which one did you finish right <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it on purpose he accountability accountability makes sense yeah. when he finishes one he knows he can ask the that's question the next time he can answer. answer yep exactly hey, hey if you ask a question you you can you control it right you that's want true. you want to put it in your favor not not the other person <laughs> hey Wise. you know uh what does philippians 2 talk about esteeming others more highly than yourself consider not just anyway forget it um, <laughs> consider yourself better than others i think that was my translation oh wait 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 okay <laughs> what, is that? what is that the new living or no that's a legacy no sorry sorry uh, oof. <laughs> this is a good introduction here. to what this it means was... to be an elder <laughs> or what it does anyway yeah. yeah very bad thank you for that good transition yeah thanks As we Alex. turn to our topic of the day oh, big al brings it back to what is an elder <laughs> so that is our topic for the day and as we think about that topic and uh, think about eldership in the church on our minds. Um, I think it's common that we know scripture talks about qualifications for elders, uh, yeah. qualifications for deacons. That's not something new if you've been around the church and you've looked at scripture, Second Timothy 1, um, and others um, of, of the qualifications of an elder. Did I reference the right? chapter on that which one did you say no first timothy it's in timothy three. first timothy yeah. three i meant not, not titus timothy titus one. one yeah titus one um yeah. so we know the qualifications but i thought it'd be helpful to talk about other uh, uh things or themes of being an elder and just thinking through it not just in the qualification realm but the actual day-to-day of of what is what is an elder what is an elder's role? Um, what are the differences between elder and pastor in even understanding that distinction that is sometimes made? So just to think about eldership a little bit more um, today. So, you know, Jason, if we ask you a question, you know, what is an elder? Just when you think of that, that title 
in the church. Just a, a short summary of the Bible's description of an elder for the church. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me kind of one of the best ways to describe an elder in the church is um, uh, one who is is called and qualified uh, to hold the office that serves the church body by both instructing and also protecting uh, the congregation, instructing in good doctrine and protecting from false doctrine. Hmm. Um, so I think... Um, that the word, it is a word-centered office. Um, so it seems like so much of what the, the elder's calling uh, is or, or entails has to do with the word of God. One of the main distinctions, at least in qualification from between elders and deacons, is that aptness to teach. And, and I don't mm-hmm. think that that necessarily has to do with preaching and, and being the most dynamic mm-hmm. speaker as much as being uh, well-versed in the word and able to both, again, instruct and also refute. And so mm-hmm. Titus 1 is kind of where I, I tend to go to for this, where it's uh, Titus 1, verse 9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine mm. and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And uh, in Acts, uh, when when Paul's leaving the Ephesian elders, one of the things he leaves with them and says to them is, I didn't hold back from teaching you the whole counsel of God. Um, it seems that that's something so important for the elders to keep in mind, that there is uh, this shepherding that is word-centered shepherding. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, uh, I'm not just there to make someone feel good or feel safe except insofar as I'm able to deliver the truth of God's word, that is what is going to keep them safe and healed and, you know, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's the office of kind of the, the minister of the word is probably the way that I would des- describe it. That's good. The two prongs there are, are, are helpful instruction and protection teaching, refuting, you know, keeping those uh, uh, categories there. And you bring up office of an elder, which helps us also think about the words we see in scripture of pastor. Mm. And so as you think of the office of the elder and then, you know, the actual functioning, practical pastoring, can you go into that a little bit and, and, and maybe even add why you see, or, or how distinctions are made between that um, and how the words are really similar. You you want me to distinguish between pastor and elder? Is that what you're saying? No, how, how there is an actual distinction <laughs> in, in the church. Okay. So, I, I mean, and, and Roger knows this, so he's asking this on purpose, mm-hmm. but this is a big question <laughs> <laughs> that, that uh, there's a lot of disagreement, I think in, in, uh, the, the church, not not necessarily our church, but in the church in general, um, you know, obviously some groups, some denominations have even distinguished between, you know, bishop, pastor, elder, etc. But mm-hmm. in kind of the communities we've felt closest to and and really been plugged into, I think that pastor, elder, these are uh, bishop, pastor, elder, overseer. These are words that are 
uh, used in a sense synonymously. Uh, they're really the same office that we see um, in the scriptures. Uh, I, I, Roger and I have had long conversations because I do wonder if there is something distinct in Ephesians chapter four that where you've got pastor teacher, the gift of pastor teacher, is that something that's a little bit different? Possibly. Um, but in terms of the office in the church and the way the 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 authority, functionality, et cetera, elder, pastor, these are these are one and the same. And so at our church, the way it works, we are, even though we kind of distinguish in terms of staff pastors, someone who's on staff and full time and paid, we call them pastor, uh, which may not be a really healthy distinction, but that's what we do right now, just in terms of keeping that distinct. Mm -hmm. But in terms of our functionality and um, our roles or our uh, authority together, we are we all hold the same office with the same authority. So I submit to the board of elders the same way that Roger, who's a non-staff elder, submits mm -hmm. to the the board of elders. My say is no greater than anyone else's say, though I'm the lead pastor by role right now. That doesn't mean that I have any more uh, authority in, in any way. And I think that we've, we we kind of function that way pretty well. They tell me what to do, and I say, yes, sir. And uh, <laughs> is that about right, right. Raj? Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a whole different model. Huh? Yeah. I've been under that, too, but that's not what this is. <laughs> Yeah. And then you have in some churches, right, where you have, uh, I forget the term, the the elder, not above others, but you kind of have that 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 main primary that seems to have more influence over a lot of it. Kind of seen sure. as well. That's, I mean, even even in in most most local churches, there's kind of one person that centers around. Okay, this is the pastor of the church. Yeah. And, and it makes it sound as if there's maybe one pastor, two pastors doing the work rather than a team, a plurality doing the work. And it's just natural that people uh, uh, think that way when you have one person who's seen all the time functioning in that role and is freed up to do that role Right. when, when you have others who aren't freed up. And so they're not in that same type of, uh, don't have that same type of activity, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, we see even in, in first Timothy that there is that um, uh, there's this seems like there's this, and not a, not a distinction, but there, there are some who have been freed up, like you said, to labor uh, by preaching and teaching the word in a kind of a, a little more dedicated fashion. Right. Mm -hmm. So first Timothy five, 17, let the elders who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so, and then he goes on to say, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, the laborer deserves his wages. So you've got this situation where there's a plurality of elders, um, but it, it looks like there might be some that have been able to be freed up to commit their time simply to preaching and teaching. Uh, and that is a, it's a, really amazing honor and blessing that some of us get to have uh, to be able to be freed up by the body of Christ to really focus our time in on full-time shepherding uh, the congregation. Whereas then you've got brothers 
I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like Roger, for instance, and others in our church who full-time employment is outside of the church. Um, yet their heart, their gifting, their calling is inside the church as shepherds alongside uh, the rest of us. And, um, so they just don't have this, the same capacity time-wise, but they have the same heart, the same role and the same decision-making, um, authority in the church body. So all, all elders are pastoring, they're shepherding, yeah. they're fulfilling that role, although some have a title or a position that is paid in the church, which sometimes is, is distinguished um, just for the natural way that we function. Um, yeah, which, is, as which is why we, which is why we ordain all of our elders, right? So that we're, we're all set apart for the same office and task yeah um yeah so do you have a <laughs> this is just a you know just how we how how we use our words and in, in in addressing people it's easy to use pastor you know Here, here's pastor jason it's awkward yeah. when you try to announce others right it's like, yeah it, elder this just doesn't roll off the tongue yeah because but they it, think that we're in a cult or something all of a sudden right <laughs> Hilda yeah. Roger is, uh, you know, yeah. gonna, you know, it's, it's very, it is very uh, awkward at times when I'm making an announcement, let's say, Roger, you're going to preach the following week. And yeah. I say, you know, no, next week. And so I end up saying often, what do I say? Brother Roger or something, yeah. or I say our dear brother, Roger. And that, that that's, that's partly because I, I what do I say? You know, I, I want to say pastor. I want, you know, uh, so yeah, sometimes that could be kind of awkward. But but coming back to the role though, because I think this is really or or the the function kind of what we do, and and um, Alex obviously is the 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 one with the the most experience, no least experience. <laughs> although a lot of experience in the church, right? So you could feel free to answer from any perspective you'd like, um, Alex. But one of the the key things to keep in mind uh, with the elders is, you know. That shepherding, I said, it's all word-centered, um, but it's not limited to teaching the word. It also includes being an example, exemplifying it, living it out. Uh, it includes the way we communicate the word, the way you know Paul writes to Timothy countless places, gentle, with kindness, with patience. Um, our goal in, 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 sh- in shepherding is to help people to know Christ deeply, to see him, to desire him, uh, to want to serve him. And that doesn't happen by fiat or command or, you know, uh, we don't stand up there, you know, like like Paul, Paul often as an apostle who had far more authority than a, a pastor elder does, but he even wanted to persuade, uh, right? He doesn't, he doesn't demand. He said, I could demand, you know, he, in the letter to Philemon, I could demand, but instead he wants to persuade. I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yeah, there there is authority, but it's not authoritative in yeah, how yeah. Um, you shepherd people. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about, um, you know, in my own time in youth ministry, this idea of not just um, using words to preach the gospel, but just through our own lives. Um, I'm always reminded of 1 Timothy 6, 
um, where Paul is writing to Timothy and he's just explained what the false teachers are doing. Um, you know, the, the love of money is the root of many evils and that sort of thing. And then he turns it back to Timothy and he says, but you, O man of God, flee from those things and pursue righteousness, gentleness, patience. And I think that's the example of what eldership looks like. Um, because as an elder, you're just representing what the community of Christians is to do and to be the forefront of that, to, to really to show what Christian living looks like in the day-to-day, um, not just by having the title, but by living a life of repentance and a life of obedience, a life of submitting to the word of God. And oftentimes we think that to be an elder means that you've arrived in some sense. Like that's how I kind of thought about it growing up is, you know, a pastor is someone who's figured it all out and that's why they got there. And as you get older and as you learn, you understand that it's not about arriving. It's about pursuing. It's about being driven to go into the scriptures and to, to want to be the man of God that God calls us to be. And what we look for in our elders should be what it looks like to trust in the Lord more deeply. Amen. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to bring up thinking about the misconceptions of elders Hmm. and of what that role looks like. I think Alex brings up a good point about arriving. Yeah. That an elder hasn't reached perfection, hasn't reached this degree of sanctification where they're free from temptations and strong temptations or even falling into sin and yeah. even having to be an example of what it looks like to have ongoing repentance and ongoing struggle uh, with the same things that we identify with the people. I think it was Paul Tripp who brought out in his book, Dangerous Calling, where he said, oftentimes there's a separation in the church between, you know, he's bringing out the pastor and the pastoral team from the congregation as if the pastor has arrived or the elder has arrived and he's telling everybody else, come follow me. I'll show you the way to get to where I've arrived. Now, Now, there's a certain level of maturity. We learn, we grow, we're transformed, but that doesn't exempt any elder or create this status where it's like, okay, the elders yeah. in the room, look, he, he's he's holy, I'm not holy, and I feel guilty because I'm not, I haven't arrived to that stage, which I think is dangerous both for the elder's own conception of themselves, breeding mm-hmm. self-righteousness and blindness to their own sin but also an unhealthy understanding that the example at the end of the day is Christ. The elder points to Christ, not pointing to themselves. It's always going back to Christ. Yes. If I've overcome this and worked through this, it's because Christ empowered me, not because I'm something in myself. And so there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions sometimes of, of the elders um, and their own walk with the Lord and with those who are called to submit to the elders, to you know, look to them as examples, which it should be, but they're just not yeah. the example at the end of the day, right? Yeah, they're they're pointing to the chief shepherd. You know, in First Peter five, one of the things that 
Peter does there is he he talks about elders and how they ought to function as elders, but then he he makes clear that we're under the chief shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. It's when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Uh, there's this sense in which we have to always keep in mind we are under shepherds, not mm-hmm. the shepherd. We're we're pointing to the shepherd. That's our our job. Um, and I, I remember when I when I finished the PhD program and I talked to my mentor about it. I said, um, Doctor Bradley, um, yeah, I don't think I know anything. You know, I, here it is. I, I've gotten to the the end of the line. Everything's done. I defended my dissertation. I'm done. Now they call me doctor. Yeah, right. I said, so so I, I don't know anything. And he said, yeah. then, then you've done it right. You know, you get it. He said, <laughs> that's that's kind of, he said, that's, that's what you arrive at. You arrive at this knowledge that there is so much to know and you don't know it. And that's okay. There's a humility that should come with that. Well, one of the things I think as as one who's called to be an elder in the church that we have to recognize is what we know maybe maybe better than others is just how weak and insignificant and impotent without Christ we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am no better than anybody. I am no more faithful indiv- on my own than anybody. You know, but for the grace of God. Uh, I would be uh, the chief of sinners, as Paul refers to himself as. So there, I think that's a, a big deal for us to realize. The, the knowledge of our need for grace is what we need to have our PhDs in, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our doctorates need to be in, we need grace, and and we want everyone to know that. Mm-hmm. And being transparent Absolutely. about that with others and mm-hmm. not, not acting as if it's not there, but showing the faults and those yeah, and areas where you're growing. Okay. I think that's um, probably one of the hardest things because you want to, you know, humanly, you want to display authority by, by example, by saying I'm in this position because you can trust me, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. When in reality uh, to <laughs> properly display what it means to, uh, to shepherd is to understand our position that, you know, again, like Jason said, that's, you know, it's only by the grace of God that we are what we are and what we know the things that we know. Uh, and so being able to be vulnerable with uh, the people that we're uh, shepherding is so vital. They need to know us. It's so important for them to be able to converse with us, not to see us as these people living off in an ivory tower, just, you know, enveloped within their own theology, but it's, real life living that's going to allow them to to come to uh, have conversations and to, to dig deep and to see what it looks like to honor Christ in this part of their life or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you know, one of the most humbling and terrifying and uh, grounding things in all of scripture is Hebrews 13 mm-hmm. verse 17, mm-hmm. right? Where, the ESV says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Fine. That's, that's fine so far. <laughs> um, but then it says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I mean, you want a sobering thought? You you, you want a, a thought that should tell you, you must be anything but a tyrant. 
right? One of the things that we're seeing in churches today that are really, it's really harmful and terrifying is the kind of arrogant, kind of tyrannical dictatorship leadership that we see in churches. And uh, honestly, first of all, I maybe, maybe, maybe I am that. And, uh, and no one's told me that. And I'm so I'm just, uh, uh, I don't think so. I hope not. But this is one of the, you know, this passage, this verse te- tells me I, I cannot be. Um, I'm going to give an account. I'm going to give an account for the, the lives of those God has entrusted to the care of the elders uh, at the Mount. Um, I, along with my brothers, we're going to give an account. And um, we better we better keep in mind that we're uh, responsible, that the, the goal is to help them to know and see Jesus, not Jason, um, help them to love and trust Jesus, not any one of our elders or even our elder board. Now, they should be able to trust us because in Christ we've been trustworthy and they know that we love them and that we they know that like a uh, you know to to steal from Paul with regard to husbands not with regard to elders but i think that there's some connection there they need to know that we're willing to lay down our lives for their well-being that we're not in it for ourselves but for for the lord and for the people uh i think that that's something that uh we just don't see at least Publicly, we saw all the scandals, right? So we see all the bad versions. I know the local, a lot of local churches are, and their elders are very faithful. Unfortunately, we only see, or a lot of times, we only see the, the ugly. But yeah, yeah I was just even thinking it, to myself. Sorry, oh, uh, I was just thinking to myself. Um, so many stories of churches who might even start off with the right intentions, but then the brand becomes larger than the gospel. And so in an effort to expand and to become bigger and better and more prolific, they sacrifice the plurality of elders for the sake of one person who can take them further than they could go together. And what ultimately happens is that that one person's platform becomes the gospel as opposed to the true gospel. And it always will result in a church collapsing because there's no basis. There's nothing. There's no solid foundation. And so I think that's what, again, is so vital. It can't be about any one person or even just their style of preaching or the way that they lead a study or even how they interact within counseling. It's the gospel has to be the center. The The people within it are just always pointing towards Christ and toward that gospel message in whatever we're doing. Yeah. Amen. And I think that's even why we wanted to have a confessional statement to go back to so it doesn't become the pastor's hobby horse or what he wants to focus on or what he wants to teach and it's the pastor's word oh the pastor told us this pastor told us that it's it gives you some substance to say okay are we grounded in historic so if jason starts teaching something outside that's just so foreign to the confession then it brings it back to say, okay, or, you know, where are you going with this? This isn't orthodox in your teaching where when you don't have that, it becomes surrounded around, well, this is the pastor and his personality. And I follow all that he says. And then it it does uplift the pastor above um, the the scripture. The the word, the church. Yeah, that's right. 
actually I was uh, watching something or, or maybe it was on Twitter. I was reading, which again, I probably shouldn't, but I was, um, and, and they were pointing out, uh, that if a pastor, um, begins to personally come to a conclusion different than the confession of that church hmm. that they ought to step aside, resign instead of try to tr- change the church to, to conform to their view. And, and yeah. I thought that was a very interesting um, uh, tweet because it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, not that the pastor couldn't be reforming in a good way. It's, it's true that it could be, but but the, to make it clear that the authority is not the pastor, but the word of God. And we believe the confession is teaching what the word of God teaches. That's why it has authority mm-hmm. at all. Um, for, 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 let's say, you know, let's say I'll, I'll throw out an example. Let's say I came to a personal conclusion that pedo baptism is more biblical than believer baptism. Uh, do I just kind of start to teach it and go, okay, now we'll, we'll change from the London Baptist to the Westminster, you know, uh, or, or do we openly and honestly say, Hey, look, I don't fit this anymore. And if all of the elders started feeling that same way and they could go before the congregation with honesty, you know, then let's, then that could play out with a potential change of the the you know go to a Westminster confession or something like that but it's it's very interesting that uh that it's not about one person and their teaching uh and it shouldn't be mm-hmm. there's one other point I want to bring out in the Hebrews passage you brought up uh I think is important to talk about too is he says in verse eight uh not eight uh yeah 18 um no sorry 17 at the end of it let them do this uh, with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It brings out the point that ministry is hard, and there are times when it can be uh, difficult, and you can do it groaning and not with joy. And it's interesting, it doesn't bring advantage to you, because what would it? How How could it bring advantage if the work isn't done with the joy? that we should have, but rather with the difficulties in mind, because the fact is there are difficulties in every single body out there and every single elder team is going to have things they have to work through. We're dealing with sinful people. We're dealing with each other who are sinful. We're dealing with a broken world. We're dealing with spiritual warfare that is doing everything, uh, you know, saying does everything he can to attack the church can't destroy the church, but he can attack it. And you just have so much around that just found it interesting that he brings that out uh, in, in calling elders or reminding them uh, the leaders or the term leaders here that he's using of how to keep the right mindset, because there are times where your mind does get off track. It's just natural. We're natural. We're fallen. We're have our own struggles and temptations with that too. Yeah. And to be honest with that, I think is helpful to those around too to understand that. Yeah, and uh, you know the reality is the 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 groaning can come in a variety of ways and for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things the author of Hebrews is trying to get at there is, you know, he's calling the people to to submission, trying to help them to see that you know 
when you're when you're um, intentionally being divisive or you're intentionally causing disruptions for mm-hmm. those that are trying to love you well, uh, you know, you you could really mess things up. You know, mm-hmm. on the other hand, like you said, I think it's a reminder to the elders and the leaders that look, you're calling, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, but you must do this with the joy that the Lord has set before us um, because there is no more privileged position either in the sense that we get to see people's lives changed. We get to see them come to a deep understanding of who Christ is. Uh, we get to see them worshiping sometimes for the very first time. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what other um, role or office allows that on such a regular basis? Um, but, uh, there's also the tough parts. We won't let, we won't talk much about those for Alex right now so that we don't, you know, scare him off. Scare. <clears throat> yeah, I want to go oh, in eyes wide open, but I also want to go with the grin on my, on my face. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're coming to the end of this episode and our topic of eldership. Are there any last uh last words that doesn't sound good we're going downhill no any final comments on on this topic you want to bring out uh jason i just uh i guess the the one thing that i want to you know help our people to understand is that um that this sounds weird coming from one of the pastor elders but um it, it is god's grace to his church to give the office of elder as well as the office of deacon it's it's for the health of the church it's a good thing um even though sometimes it's used for bad things uh, it really is a good thing it's part of god's care for us he loves the bride and one of the ways that he takes care of the bride is he provides the right leadership and um those who are called with that task of of taking care and so i hope that we do it well we do solicit the prayers from those in our congregation we want we we need your prayers. We need the Lord to strengthen us. We can't do this um, on our own in any way. And uh, we're, we're grateful for the body that the Lord has given to us at this church. And um, I, I wish I had complaints that I could make. I have none. We're just, we're just grateful, really, truly grateful. Well, great. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, Big Al. We appreciate you getting to join the discussion and, and it's, it's as you join uh, with the elders and serving the Lord um, and seeing what he's going to do in and through his church for his glory. I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. If you have any complaints, you know, Jason's email by now, you can reach out to him now, but we'd love if you could subscribe, tell your friends, if you think this could be helpful to others. Uh, and if you have any ideas, topics you want us to address uh, send them uh, send them along to us feedback at rodandstaff.org and we'd love to discuss them and we hope you will join us next time if you enjoyed this episode of the rod and staff podcast please subscribe and share with others for more information or to contact the host with questions or comments please send email correspondence to feedback at rodandstaff.org That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.